Yeah, I mean, you can go wide or you can go deep. And I like to go deep on things. It's kind of my nature. So, um, and it's easy when when it's something that you enjoy and, and you want to do. Um, you know, if, if you, like, I had some guests leaving this morning and, and you know, you know, her husband's into bourbon, but she's not into bourbon, but she's into history. And you know, where our hotel is located, like basically where bourbon started. Welcome to Behind the Stays, a podcast that shares the stories behind your favorite Airbnbs and the hosts who've made them memorable. Behind the Stays is brought to you by Sponstaneous, a free weekly newsletter that brings you a carefully curated list of last minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. Sign up at Sponstaneous.com. I'm your host, Zach Cruz. Enjoy the show. In just a moment, you'll meet Eric Carrico, founder of the Woodford Hotel, a boutique invisible service hotel in Versailles, Kentucky. Eric is a civil and environmental engineer by trade and has spent his career solving complex civil engineering problems for some of the largest heavy industrial earthwork construction projects in the country. Sounds like a headache to me, but clearly Eric's really good at this. <laughs> After the housing crisis in 2008, Eric had the opportunity to buy a couple of properties and start his own real estate investing journey. Eric's investment journey was quite traditional until this little known startup at the time, which we all know now as Airbnb, began expanding into the Southeast and Midwest. Eric, being the early adopter that he was, decided to test it out. And well, that would ultimately lead him to grow a meaningful portfolio of SDRs in the greater Louisville area, which he'd then wind up parlaying into an experiential boutique hotel for bourbon aficionados. Tune in to hear the dynamic story of the unique approach Eric took to launching this boutique hotel and why he believes other hospitality entrepreneurs should get bullish on hospitality offerings catered towards niche audiences. All right, friends, without further ado, get ready to meet Eric. All right, Eric, we are live, my friend. How are you doing today? Doing well, Zach. Uh, thanks for having me. Appreciate uh, you reaching out to me. Um, I just uh, got back on the Twitter uh, a few months ago and uh, been finding a whole lot of stuff about STR on there, and it's been interesting. Nice, nice. Yeah, man. It's uh, it's funny to just see how you know social has become this uh, place for for really the community to I think share ideas and whatnot. And it, it's funny how each platform, at least from my experience it is different like the community of of, of short-term rental folks that you'll find on instagram is is quite different than that of linkedin which is quite different than that of twitter or i guess i should say x now um which is which is just really really funny i i enjoy it personally in playing in in all pools because you really get different perspectives depending on kind of like where you spend your your online time yeah um it's been interesting um you know, I'm, I'm kind of old school, so I've been in the game since like 2013. Um, I used to hang out with uh, Richard Fertig, and uh, I still hang out with Bill quite a bit. I'm in his mastermind. Nice. So um, he and I used to do a lot of clubhouse rooms and things like that and really enjoyed it. So happy to get on here and talk about uh, whatever you want to talk about today. So. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, uh, it's funny that you said old school and then, and then said clubhouse um, as if, as if I guess clubhouse is a little old now, but it seems like it was just yesterday that I was exploding. Um, well, dude, I, yeah, I want to pick your brain on, on several different things, but I, I actually wanted to just start by hearing a little bit about the story behind the Woodford hotel, which is actually how I found you. I found your all's Instagram page and I watched a couple of reels or something. And I was like, wow, this is such a cool concept. I hadn't heard of y'all before. Uh, and that was my first introduction to the Woodford Hotel. But I want you to tell us that story. Like, where where, where does that begin? I mean, it's, it's a long story, but I'll try to minimize it. Um, basically, uh, we started doing the uh, short-term rental uh, conversion from long-term rentals that we had. Uh, we were in Florida at the time of the housing crash. Uh, had uh, picked up some long-term rentals at a good rate. Uh, moved back to Kentucky. Um, and, uh, we had three kids. And so for my wife, uh, when you have three kids that are three, one and zero, um, <laughs> it's impossible to, uh, you know, maintain, uh, you know, a nine to five. And, um, we were between two houses and, um, 
you know, uh, my brother who, uh, he also was in the short-term rental business. Um, he and his partner were working on something down in Austin and he mentioned this Airbnb thing. And so, um, I really didn't want to sell the house. Uh, it was, you know, uh, been remodeled and I'd put a lot of updates into it, but we were just expanding our family. So we needed a bigger space. Yeah. And, um, I, my, I so happened to have some parents that were, uh, moving out of a condo and they were going to donate all of their furniture to the, uh, I think it was Goodwill. Okay. And I was like, Hey, why don't you let me come down there? I'll fill up uh two men in a truck with all your furniture and I'll drive it back here and I'll put it in the house. And at least I could like stage the house or, <laughs> and maybe I'll try this Airbnb thing. I heard about this Airbnb thing. And so, um, my wife, you know, she's like, you're crazy. What are you doing? <laughs> like, uh, so I packed up, uh, drove down to Atlanta, filled up the car, brought it back, created probably the worst listing ever. And, um, you know, back in those days, it was like I had like a TV stand with a light and a bed and like no headboard and like pillows. <laughs> and uh, this guy reached out to us and uh, we in, in Louisville, there's a lot of manufacturing. So he was uh, working at the Ford plant and he's like, hey, um, I'm doing some installations at the Ford plant. I want to rent your Airbnb. I was like, OK, that's great. Then like I meet him. He's like, I come back like once a month for like a month at a time. He's like, what would you charge me for like all of these times that I come back? And I was like, I don't even know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> this is like total dumbfound luck. I'm like, well, this could work. And so, um, yeah, so that's where it all kicked off. It was like we were between two houses and we got lucky enough to uh, have parents that were willing to like basically turn over their used furniture to us to, uh, you know, create our first space. Wow. Wow. And so, um, yeah. And that was like 2014, you know? So, um, when I started doing the numbers, I'm like, well, this is great, but we need more revenue. So, um, I'm going to go find more houses. Um, at the time, I think, you know, that, uh, I was working as an engineer, uh, the typical project that I would manage would be like between a hundred to $250 million for power plants. Wow. So big construction, earth moving kind of jobs like that. Um, and so for me, it was an easy transition to go and find underpriced assets, like, you know, different homes that were probably, you know, needed some renovation work, but it wasn't like too crazy. You know, I'm also a licensed civil engineer, so I could pull all my own permits. I could do all my own foundation inspections, wow. create all my own stuff. So uh, my real goal was to find the underpriced assets and then re revitalize them with, you know, renovations and things like that. And then um, from there, you know, turn them into short-term rentals or long-term rentals. I always, they always had to work either way. They always had to work as a short-term rental. There's three criteria. They either have to work after I'm done that I could sell it for a profit, rent as a long-term rental, and the short-term rental is like kind of the icing on the cake. Hmm. And so uh, it became kind of a thing where, you know, I was picking up three to four houses and, uh Eventually, we got up to a large amount, um, and uh, the city uh, passed a law changing a rule where you had to have permits if you're within 600 feet of each other. Wow. And so um, they came after me for having too many in one location. Jeez. So, yeah. okay, so so what happens then? Like, do you have to shut them down? Do you have to, do you have to sell them? What, what happens after the city comes after you? So uh, I met with uh, one of the best uh, development attorneys in uh, Louisville who helped to write the code. Um, basically, you know, there's some laws that they interpreting and he was interpreting. And so I went to court with him and, um, you know, I was pretty much, you know, adamant that, you know, what I was doing was perfectly legal. Um, and we had, you know, gotten permits for a couple and then we're, you know, getting denied on these other ones. Yeah. And he's like, you can keep paying me to fight them, but like, you're just gonna, you know, make your competition, you know, better because if we blow up their whole ordinance, which I debated about, we could, we could probably win the case. He's like, then you're just gonna, you know, they're just gonna have to redo the whole ordinance and everything else. And you're going to pay me a bunch of money. And, you know, he basically suggested that I sell my properties Yeah. <laughs> so, um, between that. And then obviously, you know, COVID and, uh, the uh, in Louisville had some issues with uh, police, uh, you know, things going on. So mm. it's like we have way too many eggs in one basket. Yeah. Yeah. And so looking at situation of 
you know, where would I want to go? Um, having worked in engineering jobs at all these different power plants all across Kentucky, I knew where like all these great cities, great locations were. And so I've been through this town many times and I always thought that like a rural charming town is, you know, totally undervalued. Yeah. Uh, when I worked in Florida, I was paid by developers to try to recreate, which has already been built here. So um, during COVID, uh, the people that originally had this project property under contract, basically, I think lost their funding. So wow. it's market and um, took a look, a walk around it. And, you know, intuitively my brain's going, okay, this is worth this. This is worth this. And like, it was underpriced. So again, you know, it just needed like cosmetic renovate, not cosmetic. It was deferred maintenance. Yeah. So I had to do a lot of deferred maintenance repairs and things like that. Um, and that's kind of how we fell upon the property, sold the others, moved them, rolled them into this. And now we're, uh, you know, trying to expand this and go to other places as well. Wow. Wow. That is a fascinating story. I, I do have a couple questions for you. It's, it's, it's one thing, right. To go and find these underpriced assets to make sure that they check all of your boxes, right. Could you rent it out as long-term, uh, rental, could you sell this for a profit and or could it work for a short-term rental? It's it's another thing to to now build something that's like a boutique hotel and and brand it, right? And and sort of like build this this hospitality brand now that that encompasses these these assets, right? You can be qu quite successful in, in path A without ever really having to worry about building a brand, right? Uh, and, and lots of people do that. Now, now, what you guys have decided to do with the Woodford Hotel is is is, is quite different, right? And and I'd love to hear a little bit about like some of the challenges and or and opportunities that you see being able to kind of lean into this hospitality brand that you guys have built, as opposed to just buying, you know, uh, great assets and and renting them out on Airbnb. Yeah, um, well, I think a lot of hosts. Um, are looking at it like, okay, I can buy this and it's black and white, but I enjoy where I'm at. I enjoy where I live. Um, and if you look in Kentucky, there's like three things that make money. Uh, it's uh, healthcare, which I have no involvement with. Um, there's bourbon, which I like to drink and it's pretty easy to, you know, get involved with. And then there's horses, which I like to go and watch and also, <laughs> you know, participate in. So um, if you take back, if you take that into account, okay, how can I position myself to be able to whenever 90% of my business is coming here, wants to know about these things, then I need to do a deep dive into that. And I need to understand more about what they're wanting. Um, I already know like all the hole in the wall places to go. I already know all the people that work at the distilleries because I'm here all the time. Yeah. And so I already had kind of like inside knowledge of what people were here for. And then I just doubled down on it. Um, I started doing podcasts, the Bourbon Pursuit podcast with Kenny and Ryan. They're creating their own brand. Um, I did a lot of work for Fred Minnick, who uh, I don't know, you probably never heard of him, but he's like a well-known bourbon critic. He's on TV shows. He's wow. written nine books. Um, you know, so I doubled down on that. I learned how to do tastings. I learned like all the different people that provide travel. Um, and so as I'm working through that, I'm also working through building and operating these different places yeah. and then positioning them to what people want. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My background within construction is I know exactly what I hate about hotels and we are the <laughs> anti-hotel. So, um, you know, the bed sheets and stuff like that, we're putting processes in to make them like super comfortable. Uh, we don't go cheap on a lot of things that most people like, if you source it out to somebody like, um, there's some, you know, large companies out there that, yeah. you know, they're just trying to flip your property for the next bed or because head and bed, because that's how they get paid. Yep. Whereas I'm taking a strategic approach and I'm like, if these guys come here and they enjoy it, they're probably going to come back because they also do the same thing. I mean, they're yeah. coming here because they're passionate about bourbon Yeah. and maybe they'll, you know, get too far down a rabbit hole and change their mind, but they'll also come back. So yeah. I look at every customer as a return customer. Alrighty, folks, here's the deal. I want to meet you all in person. All right. I, it's just, it's time. Thousands of you stream behind the stays every month, and I've only had the privilege of meeting a few of you in person. 
but we can change all of that in just a few weeks. Sarah and Annette from the Thanks for Visiting podcast are throwing TFECon in Columbus, Ohio from September 24th through September 26th, and they've invited me to come and speak at their event on SEO strategy. It's going to be loads of fun with incredible speakers, awesome workshops, and unforgettable networking parties. You can register for the event at tfvcon.com and use the discount code BTS, BTS as in behind the stays, for $150 off your ticket. Also, send me a DM on Instagram, on LinkedIn, or on Twitter to let me know if you're coming. If enough of you are able to make it, I would love to plan like a happy hour or some sort of behind the stays meetup. So come meet me and some of your other favorite creators and experts in the short-term rental space at TFECon this September, September 24th through 26th. It's a Sunday through a Tuesday. All the details can be found at TFV, TFECon as in TFV as in thanks for visiting con.com. <laughs> and be sure to use my discount code BTS at checkout for $150 off of your ticket. All right, friends, really, really, really hope to see you all there. All right, back to the show. What's super interesting too about what you just what you just outlined there, right, is that you're like really honing in on the bourbon aficionado, right, or or like the individual that is doesn't just want to do the bourbon trail because it's hot and that's what everyone does when they go to Kentucky, right? It's for folks who actually want to go a level deeper. Like you're you're hosting a podcast about bourbon that has nothing to do with hospitality, right? Like you are you're networking with with folks who are deep in the industry, right, and, and learning from them and being able to partner with them. I think I saw on on your website website or on Instagram or something like that, you guys have like custom packages, like people can buy just through you with your with your partners and whatnot. And so what's really interesting about that is you're hyper focused on, on one segment. Now, that said, I imagine you guys attract every kind of person that might be that might be interested in, in, in making their way through the bourbon trail, you, pro- you probably get sort of like the casual bourbon lover. But then you're actually creating content and creating a brand for yourself around those that really, really want the off the beaten path, as you said, like the 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 hole in the wall place that you're not going to get when you Google top 10 distilleries to to visit while in while in Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, you can go wide or you can go deep. Yeah. And I like to go deep on things. It's yeah. kind of my nature. So um, and it's easy when when it's something that you enjoy and, and you want to do, um, you know, if if you like I had some guests leaving this morning and, you know, you know, her husband's in the bourbon, but she's not in the bourbon, but she's in the history. Hmm. And, you know, where our hotel is located, like basically where bourbon started. Wow. So, you know, within our, within our rooms, we have like Fred's books, they're Fred, they're signed by Fred. You can take one with you. I tell people you can take them with you if they're signed. And it's like the history of women in bourbon. And so like, you can just sit and read through books uh, about the area that you're like staying in. Wow. So, um, yeah, so I like to go deep. That's kind of what, uh, you know, and I think if you go deep and you, uh, and I need to back this up. My wife is the brains behind everything and (laughs) she is the one that makes this all work. Um, I, I do the bourbon stuff. She does all the decorations. She, she knows how to like, you know, she's really the guest authority and she's really the person that, you know, makes this all work. And so us as partners is a, is a great team. And yeah. that's the other thing you have to have is you have to have a good team. Yeah. Yeah. You guys have done a really cool job with like branding your various rooms, like that are, that are all named after, I think all of them or most of them are named after bourbon. So that's how like you've got four roses is, is, is one of your rooms. Right. Um, I'm curious, like, why, why did Woodford get like the the naming right to the hotel? Is is that just because it's more uh, a more well known uh, uh, bourbon, or, or wh- why the Woodford Hotel? Um, so, if you know anything about bourbon, um, they uh, they really do not like uh, people that infringe on their naming. Mm. So, Woodford Reserve is a Brown Foreman Corporation name. Um, that is very large and uh, they do not like people to associate yeah. things with their brands. Um, this ho- this building was actually built as the Woodford Hotel. Really? So, okay. Yes, there's a plaque out in front of it and it says 18 or yeah, 1893, the Woodford Hotel. Wow. So I mean, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm like, let's just keep the My hands are tied. My Woodford hands are Hotel. tied. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah. So I don't, uh, you know, 
the name is uh, also the name of the county. So back in 1893, when it was built, you know, Woodford County, they just called it the Woodford Hotel. Wow. Uh, and it was renamed to the O'Neill House and it was named back to something else. But, uh, you know, I just went with the historical name of it. Uh, and so that's kind of where we uh, landed. Works perfectly. Uh, it's it's fantastic, man. That's, that's amazing. I, I want to talk to you about this like invisible service component because we we see more and more of this kind of popping up in the industry. I think it's it's also just like a really like sexy thing to say is like I'm going to go build this like you know uh, boutique hotel with with no staff, right? And and you know I've personally as a guest experienced uh, a boutique hotel with quote unquote invisible service that was a terrible experience, and then I've also had really great experiences. Uh, now, granted, I've only probably had I've pr- probably stayed in three properties that that uh, that are like this. I want to hear a little bit about this from your perspective. So what what does invisible service actually mean to, to in your all's context? And what what have been some of the pros and cons of, of not really having a, a dedicated staff, a, a lobby, right? A, a concierge, if you will. Um, so let me back up on the building itself. Um, it has elevators. It has fire suppression systems. It has uh, a first floor space that's like an event space with like, commercial access and things like that within the building itself. Um, they already had leases for a lot of the first floor properties. Okay. Um, so our end goal is not for it to be a hundred percent self-service. Um, we also have staff that's here throughout the day. I'm here during the day. Um, where we do the self-service kind of thing is, you know, at night and things like that. Um, and from my standpoint, um, it's a pain in the ass. Uh, you know, I, I would much rather have somebody here on staff yeah. to meet people and go through. It's part of like what I like to do too, as far as, um, you know, with guests and things like that. Cause the guest interaction is really important to us because I want them to come back. Yeah. Um, so because of the layout of the building of it actually being a previous hotel, it works really well, you know, having the, uh, and the other thing too, is it's only eight rooms. So it's not like, a massive 40 or 50 room unit place. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I could, so the footprint is small enough to where um, you can still manage it. Um, and at the same time, um, deal with like people that, uh, you know, during COVID, a lot of people didn't want any hotel staff. So yeah. there's a lot of people that are, are perfectly fine with it. And then there's people that are like 70 years old that, you know, I'm happy to, you know, meet them sometimes if they want me, you know, I I say we're available or we can have somebody available. So you really have to kind of cater to your customer and kind of figure out exactly, you know, where they fit in with how you set up things. Yeah. Yeah, no, and absolutely. And I, I think that there's probably some sort of like hybrid model that I, that I think is, is yet to be, there's yet to be like a great example that at least I can point to, but where you you leverage technology to to handle a lot of that, all of like the check in and check out instructions, right? Uh, it, it'd be great. Like I love when I can show up, and you know Marriott has this new thing with with Bonvoy where like you basically have keyless. You you don't actually have to even go to the front desk, or sometimes you have to go to a front desk and, and show the ID. Other times you can you know upload your ID to your Bonvoy app, and then they give you the access code to your room. It's you, via bluetooth so you never actually have to talk to the concierge which is great when like you know you're traveling for business and you just see it's late and the last thing that you want to do is have to like wait in a line to get your you know key for your for your hotel room but then there are plenty of other times where i actually really like talking to the concierge and trying to figure out like what's around here like where should i go like where where is that hole in the wall spot right where i can go for for a quick drink or a bite to eat and so i think that we'll see as more and more people get into this space. And quite frankly, as traveler, younger travelers expectations around hospitality are just a little bit different than maybe, uh, you know, generations previously, they'll probably be a really good hybrid of, Hey, you can totally self-service yourself <laughs> in, in the context of our hotel. If that's what you want, if that's not what you want, here's path B, you know, Susie can answer any question that you might have. Like, I, I bet that it'll look something like that. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just difficult to um, have a staff on property full time, yeah, and also be able to um, you know answer every single question. Uh, 
it doesn't matter. Like I, I think after doing this business for a while, I've realized like people don't read. So like, you know, just <laughs> texting is a whole lot more efficient. Yeah. And so, you know, texting and phone calls, like the most efficient thing is a phone call. Mm. Uh, and so, uh, you know, if people are really concerned, um, we do that quite a bit. And, um, you know, I didn't anticipate the amount of phone calls that I'd be making, but at the same time, <laughs> you know, I used to run, you know, these large construction projects and like, you know, it's work. I mean, yeah, it's way more work. It's way better work though than, you know, working for a corporation of 50,000 people. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. True that man. So yeah, I, that's my next question for you is like, how, how does the Woodford hotel and uh, so far, I know that you guys are like pretty new to, to open up, uh, opening up here. So I want to hear a little bit about how it's gone so far with respect to how it was managing the short-term rentals that you had previous to, to the Woodford hotel. Um, so for us, you know, we had, uh, scaled up to quite a few units before. So really putting eight units in one location was actually very helpful, mm. uh, consolidate. Um, you know, we have a process for how we do linens. We have a process for, you know, quality control. Um, you know, it's like everything, a lot of people, I try to think of in terms of, you know, engineering, mind it's basically labor material and equipment mm. and then you're just applying that to different properties and what's most important is like having a schedule having a plan and then implementing that plan and those those like six things if you can implement those then you know you just constantly evolve the process so nothing's perfect you know yeah. we're always working on things but overall i've been you know we've been really you know i guess pleased with how the results have been um, you know, we get like this morning, I get like a review, you know, a guy's like, well, the, the, there was street noise and I couldn't sleep. And I'm like, it says right there that you're going to, you're in a town yeah. and you're going to hear street noise. So, you know, he gives me four stars. Meanwhile, I got these people from Alaska who are checking out and they're like, this is the greatest place we've ever been to. We're going to bring our family back here for uh, a family reunion. Can we rent the whole place? You know? Amazing. So, yeah. <laughs> but it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just up and down. But, uh, you know, I had one guy that uh, he wanted to cancel his room. Mm. And, um, you know, I'm like, well, we're, we you can't cancel day of. Yeah. <laughs> and, I ended up giving him half his money back and I'm pissed that I did because he went on every damn social and like gave us the worst review ever. Oh, so geez, like man. I got, so like you look at the Woodford hotel, you see one star. Yeah. On, yeah. I'm yeah. like this son of a bitch over 200 bucks. <laughs> because if I address it. I think he's probably gonna go find 15 more socials to go on to. Yeah. So, you know, there's just certain people who are like, you know, I guess you call them trolls and you just deal with them. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, and, and it, the, the, the hope, right. That sucks, especially when you're like early, earlier on and you're trying to like build up your, your, you know, social presence and, and your, your profile online. But at the end of the day, like you guys have an exceptional product. Most 99% of people are going to recognize that and, and respond accordingly. But yeah, those, those freaking one star reviews, uh, uh, suck, man. And it's, especially when you tried to make right, you tried to do right by him, right? Even though you didn't have to, uh, which is, uh, which is always difficult. I'm mad that I gave him half of his money back. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, I know what it is. Cause you know, he came in and he left in five minutes. I was like, he hates his wife and he didn't want to spend the night with her. That's what I told my wife because she was all tore up about it. I'm uh, like, he just wanted to get the hell out of here and get back home. Yeah, so yeah. Well, you never know what's going on with people's lives or whatever. Yeah. But, um, you know, to take that much time over 200 bucks, something's wrong, yeah. you know, mentally. Um, and so, you know, we just move on. My yeah. wife takes it very serious because, like I said, she's the decorator, the brains, all of that behind the uh, operation. And, uh, you know, I'm more of, you know, the construction guy, you know, I'm like, it is what it is, dude. Yeah. <laughs> hey guys, it's Zach. If you're enjoying this episode, could you do me two very quick favors? First, this show is possible thanks to a handful of incredible organizations who've signed on to be advertising partners of Behind the Stays. It would mean the world to me if you'd take just a second to scroll down to the show notes and go learn more about this episode's sponsor. 
Even if you aren't in the market for agency support or a new PMS at the moment, it never hurts to be aware of who else is out there. And second, if you're listening to this episode on Spotify, could you be so kind as to give Behind This Days a five-star rating? And if you're on Apple Podcasts, could you submit a quick review and let me know what you love most about the show? I know it seems trivial, but these things really, really do help us grow the show. And just a reminder that if you've ever got feedback from me on how to make the show better, shoot me an email directly at Zach, that's Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com. You all really are the best. I love receiving your emails and DMs. All right, so check out the sponsor and leave us a rating and a review, please. All right, guys, back to the show. I, I want to ask about your guys' marketing strategy because, again, I told you that I stumbled upon you first and foremost on, on Instagram, then we connected on Twitter. Uh, what has what your approach been for, for promoting the Woodford Hotel? Um, so I spend a lot of time in bourbon groups, uh, bourbon podcasts, bourbon Facebook groups, bourbon, anything that you can find. And I just tell people, yeah. I'm like, hey. And then I created a Facebook group uh, called What's on the Bourbon Trail Today. And it's got 16,000 members. And then, wow. you know, I started Instagram. It's got 11,000 followers. And then, you know, I just post what I do every day. Like, literally, I can go to all these distilleries and, you know, on my way here, there's literally like 12 distilleries within a 20-minute radius of where I'm at. Wow. So I can stop by in the morning. I can stop by in the afternoon. I can go. And then I – there's a – there's a market for, you know, rare bourbons and things like that. And I know that market very well, so I can speak to that. Um, we do it uh, mostly, uh, you know, granular. So we're like, you know, 50% direct booking. Um, so like the Bourbon Pursuit, which is a, one of the largest podcasts on Apple um, in the culinary side. Wow. Uh, you know, they hosted uh, their Pursuit Palooza here, which had like 125 people here. Just a big bottle share of everybody sitting around, you know, having bourbon, talking, you know, doing different things around town. And so um, I just try to, uh, you know, I just try to provide value to people that want to learn about bourbon. And then I also just post what I do every day. Yeah. What I what I love about this this approach is that you again you've gone really 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 deep in like one in one particular arena which which i think like is a strategy that seems seems a little bit like contrary to what you would expect uh, as as you know tradi- a traditional hospitality operator right where you're, where you're sort of trained like if you're a hotel right you're 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 kind of for everybody you might you might specialize in like luxury or you might specialize as as a more like affordable vacation but or a more affordable place to stay but you're you're attracting sort of a very 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 wide audience of of people, right? I mean, even even the top hotel brands, right? You you think about Four Seasons, you, you think about Ritz Carlton, even even within there, even though it's all luxury, you're still attracting sort of a, a pretty universal audience, right? What you've done is you've gone really 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 deep in this one in this one uh, area. I, I'm curious, do you think that this is like a model that like could be replicated like do you want to like could you replicate this in like a in like a different arena in a, in a different context or or because you're so steeped in in bourbon world would it be hard to do this again in in a different category or in a different context um oh this is i mean i think this is what is mind-blowing to me i don't think it's very difficult to replicate anywhere mm. um because like if you look at what the world wants the reason why instagram exists the reason why all these things are happening right now with social is because people are into experience and like, that's what drives everybody a lot to have people are more focused, especially because of COVID on experience versus, you know, the, you know, holiday Inn. Yeah. If, I'm never going to be a holiday. Inn. I'm never going to be a Hampton. Inn. Yeah. But it means that I can't be the best, person to give somebody an experience and then they tell their next person the next person the next person the next person and the the more experience you can give people the more that they'll be your customers um it's like hospitality like uh 3.0 2.0 i don't know 3.0 uh, <laughs> one of those pointos but um and then on the other side you know i my, my brother my younger brother I, I mentioned before he he did uh the the side where you go wide so he created a brand called um the guild uh down in austin and they were in like 15 different markets he had you know 200 employees and you know COVID hits and it's like 
I mean, I don't know. I don't, I, I felt bad for him. Yeah. You know, I was an investor in it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm like, this sucks, you know, and you're not big enough, you know, you're not big enough to go out to be like Sonder and get us back. Yeah. And you're, you're too small or you're, you know, you, you have all these, you know, there's no way that you could really survive. So, yeah. um, you know, I've seen both sides of the coin. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with, uh, the mentality of, you know, the NBA and the exits, you know, these kind of things, like it's, it's not, uh, I don't have an NBA, but yeah. like I've spent a lot of time, uh, evaluating people that want to just like scale to sell. And, um, I think in the end, it just doesn't come off as authentic or a great experience. And so, um, if you can make it, you know, then it's more like a job to me where I'm doing stuff that I just like. Yeah. So I, you know, I can relate to people, you know, I, 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 I just like it, you know, yeah. versus like really worrying about like how big a scale I can get. Um, and it's also very profitable. So. Yeah. <laughs> do you, do you think about like, uh, whether, whether if you were to do something like this again, if you were to clone this concept, would it be, would it be bourbon based somewhere else? Like, could you do another bourbon hotel outside of Kentucky? No. Yeah. So, so like what, what would be another concept that you think you, you could do, you and your wife could do that would be true to who do you, who you guys are and what you, what you're interested in, in a totally different market. So, uh, I mean, that's what I said at the beginning when I looked at like what, what people were traveling for and what they're doing. And, you know, if I'm in, uh, you know, if I'm in, let's say, let's say I'm down in Texas where SpaceX is, Yeah, you know, people freaking SpaceX fans there are out there. <laughs> I would, I would be like the astronaut, like pad in space. Like I would double down on everything space wise. I would, you know, get in circles of people that are interested in space. I would, you know, join the moon club and talk about like, Hey, you can watch launches here every day. And that's why people are most likely going, you know? Yeah. Um, if I'm, you know, in a place where, you know, like the cruise ship places, you know, I would totally be into, I would want to learn everything about cruise ships. I would want to learn everything about like how to make them better. And yeah, so I just focus on the reason why you have travelers. And if it's something that you vibe with, that's what I think is like what people want. Hmm. I don't, you know, unless you want to build the Marriott, you're never going to be. And I don't think Marriott started out as the Marriott. The Marriott <laughs> became the Marriott when all those NBA people came in and like started, you know, Oh, wow, we can do this, this, is this, this. <laughs> and then it comes corporate. And it's for somebody that used to work in corporations. It sucks. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, dude, you're hilarious. Um, you, you know, what's interesting about you, Eric is, is it seems like there, like there's a lot of people let's, let's take Sonoma, right? Wine country as an example here where you could be like, Oh wow. Like there isn't like a great, like four or five star, like accommodation in Sonoma. And obviously Sonoma is a, a tough market for lots of reasons, but, but like you, you could go and build something there. And a lot of people go and they'll go and they'll build a, a nice accommodation when, where there aren't, you know, beautiful, uh, five star hotels. Um, but, but what you're saying, which I think is super interesting is, is like you sort of, you become a, a voice in, in the industry like what 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 the what the locations industry is known for you become like a, a player in that space and you just happen to have a hotel that you run as well like that's the difference right is like you you become this like thought leader right in, in essence you, you are steeped in bourbon culture you are a recognizable voice for people that like bourbon and you just happen to have the Woodford Hotel, and that is a such an interesting model that I that I it, it reminds me of like Richard Branson actually, and like how he approaches his businesses, which which you don't you just don't see a lot of in 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 the hospitality space. Um, yeah, I'm a fan of Richard. I'm a fan of uh, Gary. I'm a fan of uh, you know all these you know people that uh, you know kind of think. You got to think big picture. Like if you don't, you, you got to have credibility in order for you to have repeat customers and you got to provide them with great service. And, yeah. you know, if you do your best, I think you'll win. And if I went and, and I don't look at it as I'm just going to go rebuild this year and it's going to work. I look at it as, okay, what, what is the community? What, what am I going to bring these people into, into do? 
And I want them back next year to bring their whole family for a family reunion kind of thing. Last minute cancellations suck. And that's why we built Ping. Ping makes it easy for guests to be notified when their favorite Airbnbs become available. Ping is a simple widget that lives on your website or your direct booking site and allows your fans and followers to sign up and be notified if their preferred dates become available. Here's how it works. Jimmy sees that you're booked the whole month of October, but he wants to be notified if any three-night window in the month becomes available. Jen is a returning guest, and she wants to be notified if any week in June, July, or August becomes available. In a matter of seconds, Jimmy and Jen fill out the simple form, and they will be pinged if the requested dates become available. And as a host, you will immediately get pinged via email with Jimmy and Jen's contact information and requested dates, which enables you to build up your own database of guest email addresses. Ping is what the best Airbnb hosts use to maximize bookings. You can get access to our beta pricing with plans that start at just $39 a year at bnbping.com. Again, that's bnbping.com. So I have to ask you, like, from a business standpoint, right? How you you said that it's super profitable. What can you tell us about just you know numbers, right? Or like or like how like again you're early on here with with Woodford Hotel uh, specifically, but like how how is it doing as as an investment so far? So I think people get caught up in the cash on cash return, and people get caught up on numbers. Yeah, and like you know they want a PL and they want a pro forma. I've been through all these freaking pro formas. I, the amazing thing about pro formas is anybody can make them say whatever the fuck they want. It's, it's like, you know, what do you need it to be? Oh, okay. Here you go. Oh, and then I'm going to leverage it and it's automatically 30%. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but for me, it's very simple. I can look at a building and say, okay, this is the price per square foot. And this is what it's worth per square foot. And I can convert it to something that will generate four times the rent within the difference of those two prices. Hmm. That's my capital to work with. And if I'm getting four times the rent, I can keep one, you know, one times for myself. I can put, you know, another back into it. And so I can just continue to cash flow, cash flow, cash flow that. And so cash flow becomes the king. And next thing when you have cash flow, then the PLs and all that other shit just go out the window because you got the cash flow. And that's kind of how it works. <laughs> Like if you can find underpriced assets, you know, like the first, for example, when I was in Florida, I was doing development work uh, for a developer who was building houses, let's just say $100 a square foot. Yeah. When market crashed, he had sold it to investors that had never lived in these houses, right? And the price was $50 a square foot. Wow. The 50 square foot is less than the materials that went into it because I know how much it costs that he put into it. So immediately you're getting $25 a square foot of, you know, additional capital just by buying it. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's not like this is an easy thing to do. Yeah. Like I, I know people talk about like downturns are bad for the economy, but that's also opportunity. And that's where you make a lot of, uh, you can make a lot of profit. So, well, well, and also, I mean, just, just to be fair too, like, I, I think, I think what you just said about performance and, and just your your sort of approach of, of simplifying the whole process, it, it makes a lot of sense. If you're going to be an Eric, right? Like if you're going to do, if you can go and immerse yourself in, in in bourbon culture and become this this thought leader and this trusted voice, right? And, and you have a partner in crime, whether that's your wife or, or business partner, right? That can come in and and understands like how to create, a, how to make a space feel distinct and feel unique and feel memorable. If you can do those things too, I, I'm right there with you. I, I think the problem is there's this like floating narrative out there that suggests that you know none of these things matter, um, and and you know it, it's really just about cash on cash return. And then people that get into it realize pretty quickly this is way harder than I thought it would be, and it's because it's because they're not going on a podcast all about bourbon and and they're not hooking up with these distilleries and trying to work up partnerships. To be to be able to provide their guests exclusive access to you know the the little known uh, up and coming uh, up and coming places, and so you've applied the right amount of hustle with with simple math, and I, I think that that's why it works. And I think 
a lot of people just want the simple math without without the hustle too. Uh, yeah, I mean, it doesn't. Uh, they they. I guess I've been in uh, the construction business for twenty five years. Uh, before I did this, I took a company that was doing forty million dollars in revenue, and we went up to one hundred eighty million dollars in revenue. And uh, my job was to sit around and look at construction drawings and basically identify where the maximum amount of money that we'd make uh, off of, some would say change orders, problems, issues, things that we would knew that would come up. And that was like my job. My job was to sit around and find places where we'll make money. Wow. And so I just apply that to uh, what I do every day here. It's just like, you know, I think there I bid about $2 billion worth of work and here, there's a whole lot less zeros, but it's still the same thing. You know, <laughs> it's just still the same thing. So um, when it comes to pro formas and all that stuff, I mean, I, I, I get it, you know, um, but at the same time, you know, you make a conservative ADR, uh, you expect to do a lot of work. Uh, a lot of people don't want to do a lot of work. It'd be like me thinking, okay, you know, I'm just going to go uh, be a dentist or something. I mean, it's not at that level, yeah. but you know, it's like, it's a, it's a job. Uh, and if you, if you're not used to that type of atmosphere, if you're not used to, if you're not really into the hospitality space, then just go buy a long-term rental. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, exactly. Like people are like, Oh, I gotta, you know, do these Airbnbs because I heard they're the greatest thing. Well, chances are, if you're not, you got to get a good deal on the front end. Yeah. Like deal was made on the front end. The Airbnb is just another business, you know, behind it. Yeah. And I look at it like, let's just say if I can get $30 a square foot in rental revenue and you know, that other $10 in square foot is like services that I can do myself or, you know, save money on, then I'm pretty much doing way better than if I did learn it long-term at $10 a square foot overall, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a, again, it's, it's a super helpful framing of, of how to think about this business. And, and also like one of the things I've said a lot on this show and many of the incredibly smart people that have brought onto this show have, 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 uh, have doubled down on is this idea that not every, not every sort of short-term rental, uh, uh, owner needs to, needs to build a brand. Not every, you know, long-term rental owner needs to have some sort of like branded, you know, Insta worthy, uh, 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 uh or conglomerate of, of spaces, right? Like if you want to layer on a hospitality brand over an investment, whether that's a, a couple of Airbnbs, whether that's a, a couple of, uh, midterm or longer-term rentals, whether that's, you know, 20, 30, 50 midterm, long-term rentals, like that that's where that work comes in because the minute that you try to elevate to the experience and market yourself as that like that that's when guests are going to expect something like that and if and if they arrive and it's and it's not that right they're 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 not going to be happy and you're not going to do well so so don't do that to begin with unless you really care about trying to do something like what y'all are doing with with the Woodford hotel and again you people you can make money not doing what you were doing with the Woodford Hotel. And people do that. And that's okay. Right. I think that there's I think you think this and I think many of other many other folks that have come on the show think that there is a lot more money to be made given kind of where everything is going with travelers' expectations, what people want. People want more boutique. They want more bespoke. They want more curated. They want to be able to brag to their friends and family, look at this really cool space that I found and I stayed in. And and therefore like if you want those things, then you do have to build a hospitality brand. But like, you you know, you, you can't have it both ways. You really got to pick a path and you got to stick to that path and you got to go all in on that path, which isn't to say that, you know, you can't change your mind later down the road, but don't expect different outcomes based off of the same amount of output. 100%. I always uh, say like, you got to double down on what your strengths are and don't worry about all the other shit because chances are you're just wasting your time anyways, you know? <laughs> I mean, like if, if you're like one of the greatest finance gurus or something like that, and you're going to become a hospitality person, it's going to be difficult. Yeah. You know, you don't like it. Yeah. And if you think you're just buying something and you forget it, you're, you're either going to be paying a company to do it or you're going to have to learn to like it. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I man, 
I know a lot of people don't say that, but you know, it doesn't sell courses and things like that, but that's pretty <laughs> much what it is. Uh, yeah, dude, you're, you're, you're a refreshing voice. You gotta, you gotta, uh, speak up more, more on Twitter because I think you've got a lot of, a lot of, uh, fun, fun, hot takes and, and good perspective for folks to, to tune into or at least to consider. Um, Eric, this has been such a pleasure. I'm really thankful for, for you and your time and all that you're doing at, at the Woodford hotel. If folks do want to reach out or get in touch, I'll have your Twitter, uh, linked below. I'll have your all's Instagram inked, uh, linked below. Um, and your website as well. Is there anywhere else you'd send folks to that uh, if, if they want to connect? Um, yeah. So uh, which Instagram are you going to use? The Woodford Hotel or the Bourbon Sherpa? Whatever you want. Bur- we could do both. <laughs> yeah, do both. Okay, perfect. And you, you are the Bourbon Sherpa, just to, just to be clear. Yeah. <laughs> that actually came from this podcast. The pod, uh, When I did the first podcast with Kenny Ryan, he's like, you better take that because once this thing airs, somebody's going to go take it off of Instagram. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's a, it's a great handle. I love the handle. Um, well, great, man. Hey. Uh, th- and then the Woodford Hotel Instagram would be great. Okay. And uh, I also have a Facebook group. I don't know. Do you need Facebook group links? Yeah, I'll, I'll, we, we, we can do all the links, man. So, uh, yeah, the, the, the more options, the better is, is my philosophy. So, if you want to go connect with, with uh, Eric and learn a little bit more about what he's doing at the Woodford Hotel and beyond, if you want to go listen to his podcast, uh, you know, test him on on his knowledge of bourbon, whatever it might be. There'll be a plethora of links in the show notes below. Pick your favorite link and go connect with him there. Great. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for your time, man. All right. Thanks, Zach. Hey, friends. Hope you've enjoyed today's show. If you are an Airbnb host or know an Airbnb host who'd like to come on the show, please send me an email at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com and we will chat. Behind the Stays is brought to you each week by Spontaneous, a carefully curated weekly newsletter that brings you the best last-minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. It's sort of like Scott's Cheap Flights, but for Airbnb. You can sign up once again for free at spontaneous.com. Last but certainly not least, I didn't believe in Marie Kondo's whole spark joy mantra until I started podcasting. Now, my joy is sparked every time I see a new subscriber roll in. So please hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And so you add a little spark to my joy fire today. Okay, that was kind of weird, but um, we're going to roll with it. Subscribe um, and thanks in advance. All right, everyone. See you next time.